Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. The New Orleans Saints upset Tom Brady. Oh, no, they didn't. They let Tom Brady do Tom Brady things. Okay. A few landscape-changing free agent signings have already shaken up Major League Baseball, and there could be a coaching change in Denver sooner than you think. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. After snatching a defeat out of the jaws of victory against the Cleveland Browns, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers spun the narrative around and did the same thing that New Orleans Saints, this time on the good end, Tom Brady doing Tom Brady things in the fourth quarter. In fact, doing something he had never done in the regular season, coming back from a 13-plus point deficit to win 17-16. Joining me now from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, David Harrison from Locked on Buccaneers. And David, what is going to stand out more in this game? The comeback or the need for the comeback? The need for the comeback. Absolutely. I mean, it's 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 just a weird thing about this team right now. You know, um, they, they start off the game with a very physical drive to go right down the field. Don't get a touchdown, but they get an opening score, uh, field goal. And Kind of feel like, all right, maybe there's some stuff going on, but literally look to the guy next to me in the press box and say, okay, but those are the scripted plays. Now let's see what happens once we get to the unscripted plays. And basically what we've seen most of the season, if not the entire season, the offense bogs down until there's just uber amounts of pressure on them. And then all of a sudden Tom Brady gets unleashed and the Buccaneers find a way to at least compete, if not win the game. And it's, it's, you would like to say maybe next week we'll see more of this unleashed offense early, but all season long, it's been the same thing. And uh, going back to like you said, in Cleveland, not even ever unleashing the offense, uh, you know, for, for some reason. So th- this Buccaneers team, I-, I agree with you, by the way, that it is the need because win or lose, the Bucs were still going to be in very good position to win this division and get into the playoffs. But at some point, they have to show something more than we've seen to make us think that they are going to be in a position to win a playoff game. Right. What, what would, what, what more is that thing? What more would you like to see? Uh, honestly, for me, it's more from the coaching staff. And, and again, I think that, you know, I've said this on the lockdown bucks podcast, I get the vibe, uh, you know, Todd Bowles will never say this publicly or, you know, to me privately. Um, but I get the vibe that Todd really just, he wants to build a team in the mold of a defensive mindset, grind the clock, control the ball, don't take big risks so you don't turn over the ball and then let the defense win the day. And I get that that's your mentality as as a as a as a, a strategic leader, but at the same time understanding who you have, you know. And and, and I don't want to throw shade at anybody, but I kind of made a comment earlier today that you know I cover two teams, and one team has Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette. The other has Taylor Heineke, Brian Robinson Jr., Terry McLaurin, and Curtis Samuel. Which offense do you think is the most versatile? creative and more exciting to watch it's not the one you would think it would be and i think that that is a huge coaching flaw and if they don't get that fixed which i mean i think it boils down to ego you're probably going to see an early exit for the for the buccaneers in the playoffs so for this team right now they did get the monkey off their back they beat the new orleans saints which was something that tom brady had issues with his entire time in tampa so where does that spark come from? Because, it, you know, it, coaching is one thing, but it, like coaching oftentimes means, okay, more of this kind of play or more this yeah. player, this player in this position. So 
What kind of tweaks do you think they can make moving forward to get at least closer to where we thought they would be coming into the season? I think Todd Bowles has got to give the offense a green light. And, and I really think, and, you know, a lot of people want to put it on Byron Leftwich, but I think Byron Leftwich is following orders from the commanding general. Uh, and again, that's Todd Bowles. And I think the, the personality of a team trickles down from the head coach all the way through the roster. And, and if you have a head coach that is, is kind of containing the offense within their own schemes and, and, and everything else that they're doing, I think it kind of flows through the offense. And I think when you look on the, on the field, you see, you know, Mike Evans doesn't get out of his routes as good as he usually does, or isn't as physical at the point of attack as he usually is. Chris Godwin isn't getting out of his routes as crisp as he usually does. And then you get down 13 points with less than seven minutes left in the game, and you see this offense come on the field, and it's almost like, okay, now we're going to be allowed to do what we want to do and how we play. And you see these guys. I mean, they make catches. You know, you're having uncharacteristic drops or misconnections or disconnections early in the game, and then later you're watching these guys make amazing catches that – they never would have made in the second quarter or even the third quarter. And I think it's a mentality shift. And they know that head coach is, is going to keep us bottled up for the first three quarters of the game. And then he's going to unleash us once we get to the last half a quarter uh, of a game. And that's when you see them really kind of light up and spark up. And this team, I mean, look, you know, sportsmanship is sportsmanship. But Tom Brady is at his best when he's destroying people. Stay up to date all year on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Bucks podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up with a few big names off the board in Major League Baseball free agency. How crazy is winter meetings going to get and where is Aaron Judge going to land? Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your gambling needs. A couple college basketball games will be fun on Tuesday. A two-loss Duke side hosts a one-loss Iowa team. Bet Online still likes the Blue Devils at home by two and a half. Maryland takes its undefeated record into its first Big Ten matchup with Wisconsin. Still feels wrong that Maryland is in the Big Ten. Bet Online has the Terps favored on the road by a point. And the game of the night, number 17, Illinois against number two, Texas. Bet online favors the Longhorns by four in this one. Bet online where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Ravens got confirmation that there was nothing too serious to be worried about with Lamar Jackson's knee. After MRIs Monday, though, Coach John Harbaugh will need to monitor his star quarterback closely. Yeah, we um, he's been through the MRIs, and uh, I would say it's kind of week to week. You know, it's going to be a weekly thing. So uh, as the week goes on, we'll see for this week. It's probably less likely for this week, but it's not impossible. Um, And then after that, it'll become more and more likely. It will be yet another season with a quarterback hoisting the Heisman Trophy. Four finalists announced Monday all quarterbacks. Three of them in the college football playoff. The other USC's Caleb Williams, he is of course the favorite. Georgia's Stetson Bennett, TCU's Max Duggan, and Ohio State's CJ Stroud made up the final list. Williams, as I mentioned, is the favorite. Bet Online has him at better than minus 2,000. The sophomore who transferred to USC from Oklahoma after the Trojans hired Lincoln Riley surpassed 4,000 passing yards this season and had 37 touchdowns, tied for the most in the country. In poetic fashion, as sports often does. A streak ended on Monday. Former Boston Bruins coach Bruce Cassidy led his Vegas Golden Knights team into the TD Garden and won in a shootout to end the Bruins' record-setting 14-game home-winning streak to begin the season. 
Boston Bruins erased a three-goal deficit, but it was former Bruins head coach Bruce Cassidy and a former Bruins forward in Riley Smith who got the last laugh. This is Ian McLaren, host of Locked On Boston Bruins, and Bruce Cassidy making his return to TD Garden as head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights saw his team mount a 3-0 lead on the previously undefeated at home Boston Bruins, only to see his old club erase that lead and score three straight from Brad Marchand, David Pasternak, and Taylor Hall to tie the game. Overtime solved nothing, and in extra rounds, it was Riley Smith who scored the game winner, giving the Bruins their first loss at home this season. Catch a full recap on tomorrow's episode. On the hardwood, did the Dallas Mavericks just convince Odell Beckham Jr. to come to the Cowboys? Regardless, they got a win over the Phoenix Suns. Dallas Mavericks get a home win against the Phoenix Suns, and their threes go down. Nick Engstead from the Lockdown Mavericks podcast here. The Dallas Mavericks get revenge, first time beating the Phoenix Suns in the regular season since 2019, and this game was a lot like the game seven in the playoffs. The Mavericks dominated from the jump. They kept their lead. They kept the Suns at a distance because their threes were going down. When this team can hit their threes, they can beat literally anybody in the league. Tim Hardaway has found his stroke over the last three games. He hits five threes in this game. Spencer Dinwiddie couldn't really do anything else in this game, but he hits five threes. Luka Doncic hits four of his nine threes for 38, 33 points. He only has to play just under 30 minutes in this one. And a great game from Josh Green coming off the bench. 16 points, four boards, five assists, couple of steals. He has really taken the next step forward and become a real piece in this Dallas Mavericks rotation. And of course, we get the Hardy party late in the game. Nine points in a minute 46 from Jaden Hardy scoring on all different levels. And the Boston Celtics got a win over the Toronto Raptors. Take that, Canada. Best win of the season for the Boston Celtics in Toronto. I'm John Corrales from the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Celtics did not look good in the first half, but they turned things around on a back-to-back with no Malcolm Brogdon and no Al Horford. They used a big second half, a big third quarter from Jason Tatum, big fourth quarter from Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart was awesome all throughout that second half, and they get a huge win against the Raptors team. That's always tough, always very annoying. But the two biggest contributors, I think, were Blake Griffin, who had 13 points and eight rebounds, including the tip-in that sealed this win. He was a monster on the boards and really held off the Raptors. And Luke Cornett, who chipped in with 11 points and seven rebounds. Cornett was making cuts, getting to the rim, and really helping the Celtics pull away in the second half. It's a big win for a team now heading to Phoenix to continue this long road trip. Here is another story you need to know. We have player movement in Major League Baseball, and not just players. Superstar player Jacob deGrom heading to Texas. Justin Verlander in New York with the Mets. Trey Turner, 11 years, $300 million. I feel like I need to do the Dr. Evil voice for that with the Philadelphia Phillies. (laughs) Paul Sully Sullivan from Locked on MLB joins me now. And Sully, what that we've seen so far stands out to you that makes you you know sort of stand up in your chair a little bit here um i i'm impressed that the mets immediately responded to the degrom loss uh and it's a big move for texas to sort of i think it's more of a culture move 
that they said, we're bringing in Bochi, we're bringing in DeGrom, we want to at least have a reason for you to show up to the new stadium. But the Mets, who have the wealthiest owner in baseball, said, all right, we lost DeGrom, let's push all the chips in the center of the table, that hoping that a 2012 Tigers reunion with Scherzer and Verlander uh, which will be short term. It's got it, the amount of money they're spending for those two is about what it would cost to get Degrom. And let's face it, yeah, Verlander is no spring chicken. Neither's Degrom. Degrom's in his mid thirties, and he is. He gave the Mets something like what twenty five starts over the last two seasons. You know, our, this could be Tim Lincecum two of a great ace who falls off a cliff fast or just injuries catch up to them. So I am impressed that the Mets counterpunched and said, all right, we're still trying to win it this year. Let's not forget it. Um, the Turner signing is just Dave Dombrowski at his best. He is the Johnny Appleseed of pennants. Wherever he goes, pennants uh, <laughs> spring behind him, whether it's in Miami or in Detroit or Boston or now Philadelphia. And his philosophy is, I'm here to win a pennant now. I don't care if this contract stinks 10 years from now. I don't care if I traded away great players to get this person. We're trying to win a pennant now. And they already have won a pennant ahead of schedule. And having Harper and Trey Turner have a reunion for the next 10 years in Philly uh, is, uh, look at, they're going to win at least one. If they win at least one World Series and Trey Turner's in a full body cast for his final three or four years of the of the contract, fans of Philadelphia won't care because they will then pass, you know, the they'll have what? They'll won their third World Series title in franchise history. They will pass the Marlins in career championships or historical championship. So uh, they are, they're all for that. And so, uh, but to me, the Verlander signing, show, which was assigned to Mets fans, said, don't worry, we're still trying to win. Don't worry. Don't worry, we filled the gap. I don't, at the risk of making this an all New York uh, segment here, I, I feel like the looming specter over all of this is Aaron Judge. Of course. And, and the Yankees have made it clear that, that they want him back, but it's going to take They a, haven't made it clear they want him back. Well. They're the New York Yankees. Here's how much money would you like? Here it is. That's that is. I've now done the negotiations for it. The, the signing of Brian Cashman, who, by the way, is fine, but he has been in control of the team since the mid-2000s. I'm not going to give him credit for the three championships that he inherited. He struggled and got the team's power away from the Tampa faction in the mid-2000s. And since then, he has won fewer pennants and as many titles as the Royals. Okay? And look at the Yankees are competitive every year, of course, but they're the last bunch of years, they have had grotesquely bad roster construction in the postseason. Who's in charge of that? Cashman never gets blamed, even though everything points back to him. They re-signed him for the next few years, and Astros and Red Sox fans are rejoicing, knowing that the second straight decade of the Yankees not being in a World Series will march on throughout this decade. The fact that they have put more emphasis on bringing in Cashman than they have with Judge, who I think is going to go. I think he's going to go to San Francisco. Wow. I do. Whether or not that works out well long-term for the Giants is another can of tomatoes, but it is a Jenga piece 
to lose to the Yankees. And up until this point, I thought he was almost guaranteed to go back to the Yankees. But the fact that it's been this long and all they have to do is hand him a check and that hasn't happened yet makes me think that, oh, this is Robinson Cano 2.0. Stay up to date all year on the major leagues by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On MLB on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, why the Denver Broncos will make a change at head coach sooner than you think. This has been a year to forget for Broncos fans. After acquiring Russell Wilson, many thought Denver would be a Super Bowl contender. As of right now, they're looking at a top draft pick. Or they would be if they hadn't sent them to Seattle. With that, first-year head coach Nathaniel Hackett may not be long for mile high. And as Matt Williamson and Brian Peacock point out on Peacock and Williamson, it may be sooner than you think. So Denver, first of all, it is 1234 Eastern, as I say these words. My hunch is at 1234 Eastern tomorrow, we might be talking about a coaching change in Denver because it, it can't get worse for this team losing this game. Denver lost that game despite leading for 98% of offensive and defensive snaps. Now, now how about this? Going back to 1995, teams were 0 and 206 when failing to score more than 10 points, committing two turnovers, and forcing none. That's not that crazy. Minus two in turnover differential, don't get over 10 points, zero and 206. Mm -hmm. Well, now it's one and 206. Like, they really had no business winning this game (laughs) if Denver has any competency on offense. And um, for the Broncos to be worse on offense than they were last year, you know, it's a it's a real spit in the face to everybody. And for Russell Wilson to be like probably the worst starting quarterback in the league right now. They, That's it, a real starter, you know, yes. not Allen in Houston right. or you know, the right. Rams situation or right. Yes. You have to do something different if you're the Broncos. You like, okay, we really screwed up and we can undo the coach thing. We can't undo the Russell Wilson thing. Right. No, now. he's gonna be there. Yeah. Quietly for me, the biggest reason why you would want to make a move in season with Nathaniel Hackett is because you want to keep your defensive coordinator, Adriano Evero, and he has been easily the best coach on that staff. He looks like one of the best young defensive minds in football. But the longer this goes on, the Broncos are 3-9 and nine with no hope of a high draft pick because Seattle is getting it. So if you are 3-14 and 14 at the end of the season, how can you justify bringing anyone from this coaching staff back even if it wasn't the defense's fault? Even if Evero looks like one of the bright coaches we have, an ascending coach, how can you justify bringing anybody back If that's the kind of season you have, you risk taking someone like Evero and losing him to another organization, possibly as head coach or possibly as DC, because you didn't act fast enough. The problem for the Broncos is they're locked in with Russell Wilson. They are going to have Russell Wilson on their team for three, four years At least, that's what the contract says. 
They There is no getting out of it. So maybe they don't have the same sort of sense of urgency. If they're not going to fire Nathaniel Hackett at the end of the year, if they're going to run it back and be patient and give him time, they may lose Evero anyway. But then, okay, maybe you can justify having a long runway on this. But you're probably going to lose Evero sooner than later. So why not just give him the interim job now so at the end of the year you can decide if he's going to be your head coach or not. The only way you can protect that asset, one of the few assets you have left, is to make this move ASAP. And finally, is it just me or does Brian Cashman sound like a guy who is unsure if the girl he has a crush on will go out with him if he asks? Here are a few quotes about trying to re-sign Aaron Judge from Cashman. You decide. We'd love to have our player back. I would like him to be in pinstripes every step of the way. I appreciate being in a position to have a conversation with a player of Judge's magnitude. I understand the longer we go, the more at risk you are. It's easier if we are driving but we're not driving it. I don't know, Brian. It sounds like you think that Judge just isn't that into you. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, two historic individual hockey streaks collide on the ice. So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.